We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Friday, May 8th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Alex, we've we've kept with it on the Run It Back podcast every Tuesday during quarantine. Uh, but you and I haven't talked uh, just about, you know, general NBA issues for these last couple of weeks, mostly because we just really haven't had any news. And I hesitate to say that that has changed this week, but we're still getting our usual one to two rumory sourcey articles per week about what could happen as far as the season resuming or not resuming and we got another one of those this morning from ramona shelburne of vspn.com this one went up early on friday morning and you know i texted you this morning and said you know i sent you the article and and there's really not anything new in here i i think the biggest difference between this latest news piece and some of the others the, the many others that have come out over the last couple of weeks is it now sounds like there is a back and forth constant dialogue between the NBA and the NBA Players Association. 
And I think in general, from what we've heard from guys like LeBron James, um, you know, Chris Paul has spoken out. Most most players, even Seth Curry was on the JJ Redick pod this past week. He, he kind of echoed the sentiment. Most players want to play, you know, even if you're on a team that doesn't have on paper a great chance to win the title or might not even be a playoff team. For the most part, it seems like guys do want to be back. But uh, Michelle Roberts, the, the Players Association leader in this article, kind of hints at the fact that there there is maybe some pushback from certain players about leaving their families, you know, players on on teams that could go deep into whatever this playoff structure might look like could be away from their families for multiple months during a, a pandemic. So it does look like there's a little bit of concern about that. But I don't know about you. To me, based on what I've heard and what I've read, it, it still feels like we're inching in the right direction, that being finishing the season under some circumstance at some point. Yeah, it seems like... Well, I mean, we recently got the news that, you know, some of the practice facilities are opening. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like that is a strong indication of anything other than certain cities and certain states have kind of like, you know, reopened a little bit. So it, they're technically the players can come back and practice there, but it's not like it doesn't sound like they're, they're not going to be holding like real practices or anything. It's right. a voluntary thing. There are going to be some guys who just aren't in that state because they don't live there they're probably not going to fly back to the state, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, I agree that it does seem like the NBA is doing everything they can to, to make sure the season resumes at least the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know when it will be though. I mean, cause this, this conversation that we're having, it feels like we've been having, you know, everybody's kind of talking in circles. It feels like we've all been covering the same topics and the same scenarios for the past two months. And we just keep inching closer and closer but there's been like any, there's been no huge or really like massive step taken. And one thing that you keep hearing is no matter, even if a date ends up being set at some point, which we expect will happen, it's going to be preceded by this three to four week training camp period. So, you know, even if, even if we hear say July 31st, you know, teams are going to get back together. We're still another month on top of that away from any sort of meaningful games, you know? So there's, there's this kind of long period and it, it doesn't really seem like there's a sense of urgency quite yet. Um, just because, you know, things are moving so slowly in terms of getting the the requisite number of tests and whatnot. Like I, I think the NBA at least outwardly is, is okay with, with kind of letting this play out. And, you know, it sounds like baseball is maybe going to be back soon and, you know, maybe you can use that as as kind of a test case and and glean some things from how MLB operates obviously the NFL has just been business as usual they they haven't had any games of course but they they haven't altered their offseason schedule whatsoever um you know you mentioned some teams this week i believe this weekend will be able to host players at their practice facility but as as noted by Ramona Shelburne it's not like they're going to be holding a real practice or even one on one it's it's going to be individual players allowed in practice facilities one at a time and some of the measures, the preventative measures that are being taken are, are laid out in this article. And they're, I mean, they're pretty restrictive. It's about as restrictive as it gets. I'll, I'll read off a few of them. Players will have to show up dressed for their workouts because they won't be allowed to use locker rooms or showers. Each player will be given his own basketball and told to keep it for the duration of the individual workouts. Only player development coaches will be allowed in the facility and they'll have to stay 12 feet away and wear masks and gloves. And there will be temperature checks for everyone and additional cardiac screenings when appropriate uh, for anybody entering the facility. So it's also noted in the article that like because of all these restrictions, some teams are expecting certain players to not even want to show up. Like 
some players have been able to work out at private gyms or at local high school facilities that they've been able to gain access to legally or illegally. And, and Shelburne <laughs> notes, like if you're, if you're one of those guys, like, and you have, you have the ability to work out on your own without these extreme restrictions, teams are expecting some players to just keep doing that instead of using the facility. Yeah. This really seems like a measure for players who almost literally do not have access to a hoop uh or a court that makes any sense like if you have a you know if you have one of those walmart hoops in your driveway on like a slanted you know like a slanted driveway i can understand like oh i'll, I'll drive down the practice facility and and do you know do a three-hour shoe around or whatever to stay in shape or make sure my form is good um but i i mean i understand a team you know in the i understand if you're a player on a playoff team wanting to do this if you're like someone on the Wizards, like I, I mean, is Bradley Beal gonna do this? You know what I mean? Like, is he gonna go through the effort right. of uh, all this stuff? I feel like this is kind of a, you know, something for players on playoff teams who just don't have access to any sort of right. hoop that want to make sure they're not completely, um, you know, out of form by the time the the league comes back. I do wonder if an, if a divide will end up surfacing you know let's say we're kind of in this same situation a month from now where certain states are open it's still really bad in certain areas you know lebron has made it clear that he wants to play that's not surprising because he's on the best team in the western conference and has (laughs) probably more on the line individually legacy wise than any other player in the league by a mile if you're if you're steph curry i don't think you're pushing the league to come back and play out the final whatever many regular season meaningless games that he may have sat out half of anyway if the season was was going on like I think there's going to be a group of four or five teams that probably really want to come back because they feel they can win a title. But like you said, if you're a team like the Wizards who are in ninth in the East or even the Orlando Magic who would be in the playoffs but would have to play Milwaukee in round one, yeah, I think you could look at it and say, you know, because of the circumstances, maybe you feel like there's a better chance you could pull that upset. But especially for the guys on non-playoff teams, you would have to imagine there's not a ton of motivation, I guess, outside of being paid for your time and, you know, whatever money would have been perhaps withheld from that contract if the games were canceled. I, I think that's probably the main motivator. But for some guys, I mean, these, we're talking about guys who are, for the most part, tens, if not hundred millionaires right now. Um, and I think a lot of guys would say, look, it's just not worth it. I'll, I'll eat, I'll eat that money to, to make sure that I'm home and safe with my family. Yeah. And you, it kind of makes you wonder what, you know, if if the teams or the players, like how much say they actually have in this. Like if you're a player who, you know, if the league tries to start back up, you're on a playoff team, like if you're on the Bucks or the Lakers or whatever, and you're someone as a player who just like still doesn't feel safe, like you feel like the league is opening up too quickly, can you just like not participate? Like if you're Patrick Beverly and you're like, uh, you know, this is sketching me out, uh, are is it cool? Like if you just don't play while the team's in the playoffs, is that what, is your pay going to get withheld? Is there going to be like a fine for that? Um, it's, it's a weird situation because everyone's going to feel different about it. And, um, you know, and it sounds like the, uh, I, th- I think it was Michelle Roberts who kind of struck down the idea of the bubble, uh, as a, as a realistic scenario. And if you're not doing the bubble, then obviously you're going to have to travel back and forth. That brings in airplanes and that's a whole different, that's, we're kind of getting back into our situation where it's just really easy to possibly contract it again and infect other people and stuff like that. 
Right. I think she she spoke against the ideal idea of like the true lockdown bubble where it's only players and like essential, essential personnel. Um, there, there was some talk of maybe doing a, a bubble where players have a little more freedom. You know, I think the main point that she that she raised, at least in this article, is like how kind of big brothery the whole thing would feel where they would be making sure, you know, players would not be allowed to leave the premises. They'd have security cameras. They'd have, you know, heat sensing things to, to see if any players were uh, above average temperature and perhaps contracted it, which are all the right thing. But, you know, it, it kind of comes back to the argument of like, is are all of these restrictive measures worth it? Uh, to me, yes. As someone who wants to see the season finish <laughs> and someone who loves NBA basketball, of course. But I think it's tough for us to put our ourselves in the shoes of some of these guys and i i think like like i said i would not be surprised if it kind of comes comes to like a maybe almost a 50 50 split where some guys want to play some guys don't i think it's going to be entirely dependent on individual situations you know i mean even if you're if you're a single 20 year old role player on a bad team like if you're kevin porter jr for example i don't know if he's single but a guy who is playing well getting a lot of minutes before the shutdown like you probably want to play those last 20 games and and kind of you know continue to improve and, and make a name for yourself and make an impact with this coaching staff. Um, but if you're a 35-year-old veteran on a bad team like that, I think you'd probably feel quite a bit differently. So it's going to be interesting to see which side you know ends up, ends up kind of winning out with the Players Association. Maybe we can uh, try something radical where you know if you're a player on a playoff team and you want to play, but or a non-playoff team, mm-hmm. you know, if you're Bradley Beal or if you're Devonte graham or something uh there is a draft of the playoff teams where they draft you onto a playoff team Oof. and then uh you play out the season like that so we have completely stacked playoff teams you have <laughs> so like, basically just whoever wants to play can can pick up an or can join another team yeah we we have to draft them onto that team though like we start with you know we start with the eighth seed in each conference you know like the uh the magic at the first pick and they take, you know, I, I don't even know who. They take Devin Booker. So now sure. Devin Booker's on the Magic for the playoffs. Uh, and then we just keep going like that. I have to say I don't love that idea. Um, okay. The possibility. I, it, you keep hearing, like, every now and then you'll hear a, an idea like that where, you know, the NBA is trying anything or they'll they'll do anything to to get basketball back. And I'm generally in favor of that. But this this kind of reminds me of another idea that was raised on – the the windhorse pod on ESPN I, I think Tim Bontemps brought it up not as something that is actually being considered but it was something that had just been brought up as like a we're throwing anything against the wall type of type of idea and it was that you know the NBA takes a longer approach waits this thing out and rather than trying to resume in late July or August picks the season back up maybe in January and in the meantime does the draft does free agency plays the the playoffs or the rest of the 2019-20 season and then goes directly into the 2020-21 season. So you'd have, you know, players would change teams in, say, September as part of free agency or, you know, trades or whatever it might be. They would have to play for their original team to finish this current season. And then maybe with a week or two in between, all those roster changes would then go into effect and a new season would start. I think that is a horrific idea. (laughs) Uh, I am with you on that. Uh, I, I brought up my idea more in jest, but that yeah. idea as being legitimate, it's not, I, I don't think that can happen. Right. I think there's too many, there's just, I mean, it's literally a conflict of interest. There's, I think that, is that the best definition of conflict of interest possible? Uh, that scenario, whereas the fans are going to 
it's gonna feel weird for the fans, the team chemistry, everything. Just... I mean, you're Montrezl Harrell. Like, so in September you sign a four-year, eighty million dollar deal to go join the Hornets, and then you have to you have to go play for the Clippers before that deal even starts. Like, it would. There's just so many variables that would make that impossible. Yeah, I don't think that's realistic at all. I think that would just create a ton of issues. Yeah, so we're we're still in a holding pattern as far as the the NBA goes, but I I think assuming Major League Baseball is kind of able to follow the plan that uh, appears to be leaking out this past week, uh, I think that's good news for sports in general and at least gives the NBA somewhat of a guide to follow. A couple other news items before we get into the 2020-2021 power rankings that we posted on the site this past week. Um, neither of these items are too surprising, but Elton Brand, Sixers GM, reiterated this past week that Ben Simmons is 100% healthy, and if and when the NBA season resumes, he will be he'll be out there. And you know, he he said he might need a little more of a warm up period just because he was injured for multiple weeks at the time the season shut down, coming off of a pretty serious back injury. But all indications are that he'll be healthy, and we continue to get these. You know, could Kevin Durant come back for the Nets rumors? And the more that this goes on, the further that the potential resumption of the season is pushed back, I think the more realistic this becomes. If, if Let's say the season starts on October 1st. Why would Kevin Durant not play for the Nets? Yeah, because when did he get hurt? Was that June? I mean, it's the it NBA Finals, early right? Early to mid-June so. of last year, yeah. So basically a year? Yeah, he, I guess. Yeah, I, I would imagine they could think that, um, you know, the, the difference between waiting, um, yeah, like you mentioned, the difference between, like, October and, like, December, when you're over a year removed from an Achilles injury, is that going to make that much difference? Like, are you really putting the player in that much more risk after right. a certain after a certain recovery period? So, if, it, if the season starts very late, uh, you know, the remainder of this season, I should say, then... Yeah, it seems like he he may actually be able to come back. Right. I, I think with Durant, especially given how the injury happened and all of the talk around it at the time, like there was a certain amount of like PR concern where let's say the season was was delayed, but but it was going to start on June 1st. Even then, you know, the Nets would be like, uh, I don't know, we, we already ruled him out. Like it, it would just it would be kind of a bad look to even if he's 100 percent healthy and wants to play, it'd be somewhat of a risky look to put him back out there based on the fact that he you know he probably shouldn't have been playing on the Achilles in the first place when he heard it so like to come back early quote unquote early again um I, I think would be a tough look uh especially you know we don't really know what Kyrie Irving's situation is right now we have, haven't really gotten an update on him at all uh and it's also not like the the net supporting cast looked all that great this year you know like I basically what I'm saying is I don't, I don't think having Kevin Durant back like all of a sudden locks them into like the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that but if the timeline was already going to be July, you know, July, August, September, October, and it's looking like he could actually play if the season resumes in September or October, I, I don't see why you would hold him out just to make a point at that at that point. I mean, you say the net supporting cast doesn't look that good, but Spencer Dinwiddie has been reminding us on Twitter that he is just as good of an athlete as Michael Jordan. So we need to keep that mm. in mind. Um, I didn't see that. Oh, you should look into that. Uh, he's like, I'm 6'6 with a 40-inch vertical. Y'all think that <laughs> Michael Jordan's the best athlete ever. I'm the same athlete as him. It's been great. Yeah. Um, That's but, your Drexel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, if 
Durant was going to come back and play preseason games and go get training camp in October anyway. Right. That what what's the difference there? Yeah, I I think when you're talking about such a serious injury, there's a huge difference between June and August, June and October, whatever it might be. And at that point, I mean, there's no expectations either. You know, even if Kyrie and Durant are healthy, it's not going to be a failure if he comes back and they lose in the second round. You know, like I, I think that you almost use this the end of this season, whatever that looks like, as kind of a tune-up for for next season because who knows what the the preseason is going to end up looking like for for 2020 21 anyway yeah i guess i guess the question then becomes about Kyrie. i mean i assume he'll be healthy with the shoulder but that was kind of mysterious all it year seems like it yeah i mean they ruled they ruled him out for the year back in what february march but that was under the impression that that the year would end in probably late april right um and then that's may not even know where Kyrie Irving is. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he's one of those guys that'll be lining up to get into the facility on day one. Yeah, <laughs> he probably he's probably made a basketball court in the woods somewhere uh, with like a log cabin. And he's been doing that. I think he's just he's been like only playing badminton this entire time. <laughs> Pickleball, badminton. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> basketball does not define him. No, it does not. <clears throat> OK, let's get into our. Power rankings. Um, so we we just looked at next season uh, for these, and there there wasn't an elaborate process. We didn't vote on certain elements of the organization or the team or anything like that. We just, as I wrote in the intro to the article, which you can of course find on the website, we just trying to tried to answer the question: which team has the best chance to win the title next season? And we ranked those teams one through thirty. It's in three parts, ten teams per part. Again, those are all on the site. Not too much of a surprise up top. Um, we, we, we divided them into tiers as well. And tier one championship or bust was comprised of Milwaukee and the LA teams. And I, I think you could certainly make a case that there are other teams that will, that will contend for the title next season. But you know, assuming that the rosters, you know, don't drastically change, which based on this year's free agency class doesn't look like is going to happen. Um, I, I think it's shaping up for Milwaukee, the Lakers and the Clippers to again, be the class of the league. Yeah, I think you can put those three in in any order, and I'm not I'm not gonna you know push you on it. Um, I think the I mean the biggest free agent loss for any of these three teams would be Montrez Harrell, right, for the Clippers. Yep. I I don't think the Bucks or Lakers would lose anybody that significant. So, I mean, just uh, these teams are pretty much poised to just run it back. Um, you know, the Bucks could lose like some like deep bench guys, like they could lose Ursong and they could lose Connaughton, but. You know, John Horse has been aggressive in the past. So, and, and, you know, there's DiVincenzo guys like that, but um, LeBron, another year older, I'm not like super concerned about that. You know, I, I think you'll still be, I think, I think you'll still be averaging basically 25 and 10. Anthony Davis is in his prime, not a big deal. And then obviously with the Clippers, you have Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. Well, I think we, even if the playoffs happen for this year, I, I think we kind of lose an evaluation of these teams in in some way, you know, like, it's kind of a reset, I guess. Like even if the season resumes and it's a, a weird schedule and it's in a bubble and like the Lakers win the title, I don't think I don't think to me unless they do it in just like a dominant fashion, I don't I don't think that'll be enough for me to say, wow, they're so much better than the Clippers, they're just going to repeat again next year. Like I, I think we kind of have to throw out whatever happens the rest of this season um, in terms of using it to evaluate next season. Whereas under normal circumstances with a normal playoff, I think. What, what would have ended up happening in the Western Conference would have told us a lot about these teams. You know, like let, let's say it was Lakers Clippers in the Western Conference finals and the Clippers 
win in five games. You know, I think that that could really dramatically change how we feel about the Lakers. It could dramatically change how they go about their offseason. Um, so we, I think in, in the way that this season's going to go down, we, we do kind of lose a, a, a really good chance to evaluate these teams because teams like the Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers, they were kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the league this season. And it, it really felt like only like once every two or three weeks, you'd get a game where you, you felt like was a true measuring stick for these teams. Yeah, I agree completely. I think, um, you know, whatever ends up happening or whoever ends up the NBA champion this year, if there is one, it will kind of be with an asterisk. Um, you know, unless the season, like unless it plays out like full seven game series and there's a ton of warm up time, I can understand that being a little more legitimate. But the more rushed it is, the the less legitimate it will feel uh, in terms of like, you know, how it does it translate to next year? Stuff like that. So. Yeah, I agree. So beyond the top three, we go into tier two secondary title contenders. We have Philadelphia at number four. And I think it's important to note that within these tiers, like you said, with tier one, these teams can, for the most part, be placed in just about any order. Um, but you, you felt pretty strongly about Philly at number four. We have, we have Golden State at five, Boston six, Denver seven, Brooklyn eight, Houston nine, and Utah ten. Uh, so those those are the the seven teams that that are kind of right there, and you know with a some sort of twist of fate, whether it would be an injury to one of the top three teams, or just you know a, a bad series by one of those teams, or one of these teams getting hot. Um, there there's a way for all the teams that I just mentioned to find themselves in the finals next season if things break right. Yeah, I'm I'm still holding out hope for Philly. I mean, they have the top-end talent of a title contender. I don't think that's, you know, I don't think there's too many people arguing against that. It's just mm-hmm. the fit of it, obviously. And I think even, I mean, even if they end up having to trade Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons or not having to, but they just do, I think the return they would get back would be good enough to where I don't think they would move too far off from this spot. You'd think that if, you know, you're trading Simmons or Embiid, you're basically getting one-to-one value uh, somehow, whether it's multiple players or one player. So, um, I still I still have confidence in them as a team that could that could upset somebody and make it to the finals or or win the finals. But the the hardest teams really in here were the the Nets and the Warriors just because they were so you know riddled by injuries this year and next year are almost going to be completely different teams. Right. I the Warriors and the Nets to me are almost in a category of their own where at least with the Warriors we've seen them do it right. I mean I. I think the big thing for me is how much Draymond Green has at least statistically regressed since really since 2016, when he was at his absolute peak and had kind of the one great shooting season of his entire career. And I think the fact that he's, he's really fallen off, especially offensively was mitigated by the fact that they had Kevin Durant. It just, it just didn't really matter. And this past season they lose clay obviously, and they lose Steph for most of the year. So we kind of threw this season out too. So like, we, we haven't seen this version of the Warriors truly since 2016. And I, I think the fact that they've won a title with this group, they went back to the finals, they won 73 games with this group is enough. I mean, they've, they've certainly earned the respect and the benefit of the doubt to be in this tier. Um, but Curry's coming off an injury. He's getting older. Clay Thompson's coming off of a serious injury. You know, they obviously don't have Kevin Durant anymore. Um, I mean, how, how realistic do you think it is that by midseason next year, whenever that is, we look up and and it's actually, you know, there are three powers in the Western Conference where the Warriors 
with this trio, you know, plus Andrew Wiggins, we'll see how he plays, plus potentially a, a top three pick in this draft. All of a sudden we look back and say, wow, I can't, I can't believe we, we had this team five in our power rankings when they have the greatest shooting backcourt of all time, uh, another Hall of Famer in Draymond Green. And I mean, potentially based on how this offseason goes, one of their one of their better supporting casts. I mean, obviously you lose Iguodala, but a lot of those role players on those 2016, 2017, 2018 finals teams were, you know, guys who were well past their prime. And I, I think I would include Iguodala in that conversation. Like how, how much were they getting from Sean Livingston at that point? How much was Mo Spades giving them in 2016? You know, I, I think there's a chance that this this kind of reset and a chance to have this past season where where it just kind of became an evaluation period for young players ends up benefiting them long-term with their depth. Yeah, their roster is extremely thin. Um, that's kind of the, that's the part that concerns me a little bit. And I mean, all these, all the, their core, you know, Curry, Wiggins, or Curry, <laughs> not Wiggins, but I mean, Wiggins kind of, the, the Wiggins stream matters. Yeah. He, he is part of their core now. Um, look, as look, weird if Wiggins is your fourth guy, that's not bad. Oh, I mean, I, yeah. I know like Wiggins has become such a joke that you really can't even discuss him like seriously anymore, but if that guy's your fourth guy, you're in good shape. Well, I mean, the best version of the Wolves when was when he was the third guy, right behind Towns and Jimmy Butler. So, um, yeah, and I mean, the only two other guys under contract for the Warriors next season are Kevin Looney and Jordan Poole, and Jordan Poole's on a rookie deal. Everyone else is not guaranteed. So right. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with their roster. Like, I'm they could bring Marquise Chris back. Um, Eric Pascal. I think oh, Eric Pascal is also sure. under contract, yeah. and that's that's kind of what yeah, I yeah. meant. Where like Eric Pascal had an entire season of being like the number one or number two option, and I I think under normal circumstances he probably plays like once every five games last season, and yeah. I think that the fact that he had a chance to kind of be the man for it, albeit for a terrible team, um, the, you know I, I think that probably transfers well to next season. Like maybe you know maybe he's now ready to be instead of the number two guy for a bad team, he could be the number six guy for a pretty good team. Right. And I think, you know, it, it really does hurt the Warriors that this draft is uh, I weak or people aren't really sure what to think of it. Like if this was a, you know, I mean, if this was, if we, if we fast or if we used last year's draft, you know, if the Wiggins could have gotten Ja or Zion or someone else like that, that would have been insane. Uh, they kind of, they had some bad luck here with that. But yeah, I think there's, I mean, it, it wouldn't be, it shouldn't shock people if they're the number three team in the West. No, or even, or even, you know, in terms of record in the regular season, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they're at one or two, you know, I mean, they, they kind of have this built in continuity that even with the injuries, I think will resume pretty easily. And we've, you know, I, I think the Lakers probably take a step back as a regular season team, you know, as hard as they push themselves this year. And we kind of know the Clippers strategy. It, it is, I think it's going to be how how it just is with Kawhi the rest of his career. He's never going to be a guy who goes 100% during the regular season. And I think he's proven enough in the playoffs that if you just get there and he's healthy, that's more valuable than winning 65 games and being the one seed in, in the Western Conference. Very true. So what do you make of... Um, well, let's talk about the Nets again real quickly. I... I've, I'm a little bit higher, I think, on Brooklyn than you are. I think having Kevin Durant even off a torn Achilles, like he's just he's that good that he he's one of like the three or four guys in the entire NBA who it really doesn't matter who's around him. You're going to be a top four seed in the conference and you're going to have a chance to win the title just because he's Kevin Durant. And I, I think the bigger question mark for me 
which is crazy to say, considering that Kevin Durant is coming off of a torn Achilles and turns 32 in September. Very sneaky 32, right? I feel like he he jumped from like 28 to 32. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the, the bigger concern for me is not Durant. Like, I'm more concerned about Kyrie, who somewhat quietly is missing like 20 to 30 games, it feels like, every year for the last four or five seasons now. Yeah, the, the thing that's really, well, I guess there are two things that are kind of me holding me back from taking this team probably as seriously as their talent would warrant. It is just the, first of all, the injuries, like you mentioned, a Kyrie who has only played 70 games three times in his career. Uh, and uh, obviously Kevin Durant coming off the Achilles, but I, just both of these guys are just like never happy. Like, you know, I mean, there, there's articles every day. I, mean, I don't think we need to, like, I don't need to go too far into like the Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, like media confusion. And what are they even talking about half the time? They're like sub or Durant's out here, subtweeting people from other accounts, uh, just stuff like that. And I don't know, you know, I think people envision them getting together because they're both like that. But I right. think there's just as good of a chance that they get under each other's skin or they <laughs> they just like, you know, they, they go on the court together and then they never speak to each other in the locker room or like it's like they're two mercenaries on the same team. So I'm I think that's very sure. possible. I think they're so talented. It won't matter. I'm, I'm just concerned about his health. You know, I, I think if he yeah. yeah, there's a pretty good chance that Durant could be limited just based on maintenance age um you know let, maybe he like Durant playing 70 games next year if there's an 82 game season feels like close to the best case and right now like for Kyrie the best case is what like 65 games I mean it's just it's just not realistic to expect him to be an 80 game player or anything close to that at this point no and you have you know DeAndre Jordan uh locking up a little too much money and you know Karis LeVert who could be their third guy at times is also an injury risk and is going to make 17, 18 million dollars. Right. He can't get through a season of health either. Um, you know, Dinwiddie is Dinwiddie's pretty good, but um, also is you know this is his last year under guaranteed money, and so there's always a chance. I don't know how much him and Kyrie got along, so they could trade him. Um, but yeah, I mean, their their uh, their supporting cast isn't really much better than the Warriors, honestly. No, and they, they will likely lose Joe Harris in free agency, um, a, a pretty key piece of that team. Although getting Durant back, you know, I, Joe Harris better is a better shooter percentage-wise, but I mean, I, I think the loss of... <laughs> if you're swapping out Joe Harris for Kevin Durant, yeah, I, I think get a vacuum, you're going to be okay. Which of these other four teams that we haven't talked about yet, Boston, Denver, Houston, and Utah, which of those four to you would have the best chance of, of making a legitimate push for the finals next year. Oh boy. Um, I think, oh man, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that having Westbrook and Harden kind of makes me lean towards Houston. Um, I just love the, I love the nuggets so much that it's hard for me to like not pick them, but I'll, I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to stick with, Although I guess if we're if we're going with easiest, the the Celtics should theoretically have the easier path than either the Nuggets or the Rockets, right? Um, so yeah, that's would, what I was gonna say, and that's reflected in the rankings. We have them at six partially because of that. Whereas, like, I, I think I'm with you. I I maybe like Denver or Houston more, 
in terms of their their team upside. But for those teams, you need to get by probably both of the LA teams. And now Golden State is back in the mix as well. Like the path in the West goes from extremely hard this year to probably even harder next year. Yeah, like if the Celtics were playing the Nuggets or they were playing the Rockets in a series, I would pick either of the Western Conference teams to come out of that. Um, but I think, yeah, what you're alluding to in terms of the the pathway, I think the Celtics have the easiest pathway. And um, Tatum is, you know, Tatum is poised for a real breakout. Uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smarter kind of entering their primes. I think Gordon Hayward quietly had a really good year. Uh, Kemba Walker is... You know, I, I think he's going to turn 30 or he's not yet 30, but um, he's been good for them. So if they can get like a legitimate uh, center, I mean, I like Daniel Tice, but if they can get a better center, maybe they'll get Aaron Baines back and they'll just do Tice and Baines again. Um, but they have they have a good shot to potentially upset someone um, in the East. Right. I, I think Philly still maybe has the better high end talent, you know, when Embiid and right. Simmons are both clicking, which isn't all that often. But when they are, you know, that team is really tough to beat. You know, they were so good at, at home this past year. Um, and even Tobias Harris as like a third, sometimes fourth option is really incredible. Like they're, the top of the Sixers roster is still really good. But with Boston, like you said, I, I think we probably expect Jason Tatum to to take another another step forward or at least play next season like he did the final couple months of this season and basically yeah. be a superstar for 80 games. Jalen Brown is only 23. Marcus Smart somehow only 25. And and Kemba Walker will be 30 next season, but I he played well this year. He was an All Star, but you know it still didn't feel like he was ever fully healthy. You know I, I think the the Celtics had a good year despite some bad injury luck with Kemba, and he's been a guy who's been really durable throughout his career. And if he comes back and and is healthy for 75 games, I, I think that changes things because he he really did miss a ton of time this year, and and even Jalen Brown missed time, Marcus Smart missed time. Um, and there's still like, like you mentioned, Gordon Hayward, there's still this X factor of like, what if next year is the year that he's finally back? I think he had a good year, man. Like, I, well, I mean, he did, but he I, still, he still has not been the Gordon Hayward that we thought from 2016. No, but you know, 17, six and four is a good year. And yeah, but if he can, if he can bump that up to 20, you know, basically 26 and five or something like that, that would be great. But yeah, I mean, I, I love Kemba. He's very good, but we've seen for basically Kemba's entire career that if he's your number one guy, you're just going to be a bad team most of the time. So Jason Tatum kind of needs to be the number one guy. I, I mean, theoretically it worked with Kemba as the second guy on this team and Hayberg as the third guy, but those roles may need to flip or they may, may need to get someone else to kind of fill that role. Um, it's I, I, for me, it's hard to separate any of these guys uh, kind of from the team, like it's hard for me to separate Jalen Brown from the context of the Celtics. Same with like Marcus Smart. Uh, so I'm I'm not really sure what they can do other than just hope their development continues and maybe upgrade at center. So let's look at a couple of the teams uh, in part two, which covers uh, 11 through 20 in our rankings, and I, I think the one of the more controversial and that's that's probably being a little too lenient but uh the toronto raptors at 11 to me like feels low and then when you you look at the teams in the top 10 it's tough to say that the raptors will definitively be better than some of those teams uh, especially with some of the free agency questions with guys like marcus all likely gone serge Ibaka getting older uh kyle lowry you know it's kind of year to year with him at this point 
there are some reasons to think that Toronto is going to fall off at some point. But at the same time, the, we've kind of been saying that about them the last four to five years, and they've they found ways to reinvent themselves year after year. And I know I expected them to take a much bigger step back this season, and they were actually just as good, if not better, in the regular season without Kawhi Leonard. So was there any hesitancy for you when, when we were going through these rankings to put Toronto higher? Yeah, um, there was. I think I think kind of what, you know, put them here was their kind of their roster is kind of fluid for next season, like you alluded to. Marcus Gasol uh, was hurt a lot of the year, um, although I think they were kind of holding him out for precautionary reasons a lot of the time. But, you know, if Gasol and Ibaka leave, um, that changes things a lot. And then Fred Van Vliet, you know, if they if they can't re-sign Fred Van Vliet and some other team steals him, that's going to be a huge problem for the Raptors. Um, you know, Lowry has Lowry has been way better than I thought he would this late in his career. But one of these years, I think he's it's just going to kind of fall off. Um, and we averaged 20 points. I mean, he played 37 minutes a game and averaged 20 points last season as a 33 year old. Um, but I think I mean, if you lose Van Vliet, then do you just go into a real tank? Um, do you fight really hard just to keep Ibaka and Gasol on short-term deals uh, and just kind of keep trying to run it back and retool because you know you have Siakam and you don't want to put Siakam through a rebuilding process? Right. Um, well, the nice thing about interested. them is like... or Sorry, go ahead. I was going to see. I'm also interested to see if Norman Powell is actually legit. Yeah. The interesting thing about them is they can rebuild and still be okay. You, know, you have Siakam... I think there's a pretty good chance that they would bring back Van Vliet. Like those two alone are going to keep you probably even in the playoffs, right? Like in the Eastern conference, like I think like just having those guys, it makes you better than the magic and teams yeah. like the, the bulls and the wizards and the Hornets and all that. Like at the very least, you'll still be competing for a playoff spot. So to me, that's not like the toughest sell. Um, and I think this year there was, there's almost kind of this like obligation that when you win the title, you have to, you have to defend it. And certainly it looked like the right call, the way that they were playing. I, I don't think it would have been like a massive shock if they had upset the Bucks again and, and made the finals like that. The way that Toronto was playing, they were going to be in the mix. So I, I think they made the right call still competing this year. But maybe another year removed from the title finally gives Masai Ujiri the license to to kind of do a mini rebuild on the fly. I think so. I mean, I think if this team was in the West, they might just have to. Right, you know, pull the plug to some extent, but I mean, all the teams in the East are going to get better around them. You know, I mean, Milwaukee's going to stay Milwaukee. Boston should be better. Miami should be better. Stay neutral. Indiana's getting Oladipo back. Philly can't play any worse. Brooklyn's getting Durant. Um, Orlando shouldn't really get any worse. Washington's getting Wall back. Maybe Chicago's good. Atlanta could be good. So. They're going to have more competition next year for sure. I don't. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll. Sl- Even if they keep the exact same roster, I don't think they'll slide as easily into the second seed as they did this year. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And I think that's probably part of the reason that they did run it back this year is they. You know, Boston maybe outperformed a little bit uh, based on preseason expectations, but I, I think Toronto looked at the East and said, you know, we'd be kicking ourselves if Giannis gets hurt and we blew it up and didn't have a chance to, you know, to to go back to the finals. So let's look at a couple more teams in, t- in Tier 3 uh, before we head out. Uh, the rest of the teams in Tier 3 are Dallas at 12, Miami 13, the Pelicans 14, the Pacers 15, and the Portland Trailblazers sneaking in to the end of Tier 3 uh, as our 16th ranked team. 
Yeah, these were these were pretty hard to rank for me. I mean, I feel pretty confident about the Mavericks just because I think when Doncic, I mean, Doncic is one of the best players in the league. And then once Porzingis kind of eased into things, he looked great. Um, they still need like a better third option other than Tim Hardaway Jr. He's not going to be the guy that you want to rely on, I don't think, uh, come playoff time. Um, the Pelicans and the Blazers were especially tough because um, the Pelicans looked great when you know Zion came back. I'm not really sure what they'll do with Derek Favors. Um, that video of Lonzo Ball lifting weights that came out the other day was extremely concerning, and I hope he gets help. Uh, that's so I, he can, I don't even you know, know if that was lifting weights. That was just <laughs> ha- handling weights. He had he had a weight in his hands. Oh man! Uh, so hopefully he becomes less injury prone if uh, we can get him a trainer. Uh, the that was the Blazers. No, no, no. We, need to, we need to stay on this. He okay. posted that video himself. Why? Yeah, he thought he, was, he thought he was hot stuff after. Right. He like, posted. He, he like flexed. Who, somebody filmed that video, showed it to him, and he was like, "Awesome, that's exactly how I felt like it looked," and then posted it himself. Unbelievable. You know, I, I was I was wondering. It, you kind of wonder like how that shot, his shot form develops, where he shoots it without putting his arms up, but then you realize like he Can't. for his whole life he's been doing shoulder press. Yeah, <laughs> he can he gets the bar over his head and then he puts it back down. Um, oh my god! Yeah, that okay, was wild. So that was insane. Um, the Blazers were kind of tough, but I figured when they get Nurkic back, or yeah, they, they will be getting Nurkic back, and I think people forgot how good he is. Um, he had, uh, I mean, he had an amazing year, um, I guess two years ago now, you would call it. Um, I'm still not a CJ McCollum guy necessarily. I'm not sure what their depth is going to look like. I'd like, I'd like that they got Trevor Ariza. I think that's really good for them. Um, but it's hard to put They're them over some of these out. other teams. I mean, I, are they really better than the Pacers? Like, I don't, I don't think so. The Blazers? It's it's close. I think it's close. I think people. I think if you ask most people, they'd say, "Oh, Blazers are definitely better than the Pacers." Yeah. But I think starting five, it's pretty close. I mean, record-wise, obviously Indiana was the better team this year, but I, I think there's still the the difference in conference that that maybe favors uh, Portland in terms of difficulty. But yeah, I, they're really tough to figure out. You know, I think when you have a player as good as Damian Lillard who just keeps topping his own best season year after year. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's not it's not enough to to drag a team into the playoffs. And like he, his stats are kind of right there with like LeBron, Harden, Curry. Like you know, he compares statistically pretty well to just about any other player in the league. But for whatever reason, it's just he doesn't have that ability to drag a team into the playoffs year after year, no matter what else happens. And a lot of a lot went wrong for them injury wise this year. But they were kind of set up to fail, I think, no matter what with the way that this team was constructed, you know, a couple months into the season, they're bringing in Mello as a hail, as a Hail Mary. And that even went about as well as it could have gone. And it, it really didn't <laughs> end up making a difference for them wins and losses wise. And, you know, I missing Nurkic is huge. Obviously he had his best year of his entire career last season, but it didn't really feel to me like this team was a Nurkic away from all of a sudden being like a four seed. Right. Cause I thought Hassan Whiteside had a great year. Or at least, I mean, he had the he had the, about the best year you could ask for from Hassan Whiteside, and right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Lillard had amazing numbers, but it's one of those things where it's very rare. Or at least you look at the standings now. It's like how many of the best teams in the league, how many of their best players are a like scoring guard, like 
very few teams yeah. um, are, are getting by like that. And so when your best player is that player type, it generally has not led to NBA yeah. titles. And I don't know why that is necessarily, but I think the Blazers are kind of falling victim to it. You can, I mean, it, it seems like it's a good way to, you know, win 50 games every single year for over, you know, for a, a decade yeah. almost, but it can't get you over the hump. I mean, this, this team was in the Western Conference Finals less than a year ago, but it, even when they were playing that series, it never felt like they belonged there. No, I felt like the Nuggets deserved to be there, and their best player is Jokic. Yeah. I don't even know about that. I mean, the Nuggets barely got out of round one with the Spurs. Well, I felt like that was insane. But, I mean, I, I just felt like the Nuggets were the the had the better chance against the Warriors and were the better team. But there's, you know, it, it's, it's yeah, close. They, the West actually ended up being really strange beyond Golden State last season, um, you know, with LeBron being hurt and the Clippers obviously not having Kawhi yet. Uh, so our, our 12th ranked team... It's the Dallas Mavericks. You touched on them uh, a little bit with Tim Hardaway is kind of the linchpin for this team. And I don't think that's a good thing. You know, he's almost certainly going to opt in to his 19 million for next season. Can't imagine that, that, that he would not. Uh, so that limits their flexibility as far as what they can add. And that's fine. You know, I, they're always a team that, that seems to be in play for, for free agents. But as we've harped on over and over, this is not a great free agency class. Um, I, I did the write-up for the for the Mavs, and my final point was that I think Doncic already is to the point where he makes you like a potential 50-win team any year as long as he's healthy. And Porzingis looked really, really good for the last few weeks before the shutdown. I think you have to be encouraged about that. But I think this team, maybe more so than any other team in this tier, has a lot of work to do on the rest of the roster. Yeah, and I mean, it helps that Carlisle is, is such a great coach. And that's been giving them a very long way for a long time. Um, Dwight Powell getting hurt didn't help. So hopefully if he can come back, because um, they were, Doncic was playing very well with him. Uh, right. But they, you know, they, they weren't that far. I mean, they had the fifth, Mavericks had the fifth best net rating in the league. Uh, best tied offense, with, I believe, uh, right? Best offense in the league uh, and sixth best, uh, fifth best net rating. So like it, if, <laughs> If they had the fifth or sixth best record in the NBA next season, we that actually shouldn't surprise people at all. Right. It it just feels like they're especially compared to the other really good teams in the West, like every other team has a better third option than Tim Hardaway. You know, and then even after Hardaway, it kind of drops off. Like they they have a lot of like pretty good role players, Dorian Finney Smith types. Um, but they 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 need another piece. And I don't know what that piece is, you know, honestly, like a Gordon Hayward type, I think would be perfect for them. Like they don't, they don't need another ball handler. Like Doncic is going to handle that for 37 to 40 minutes a night. They don't need another front court scorer. Porzingis has that covered. They, they just need like a really solid number three guy, a, a, you know, Hayward, uh, Tobias Harris type. They just need Sean Marion to come back. What is he now? 38, maybe. Um... Although I remember him being pretty ineffective for that Cavs team. Yeah. Uh, Sean Marion is now 42. Uh, okay. Yeah, probably not. I'll throw Four a name point. out there. How about Derek Williams? <laughs> Anthony Bennett. <laughs> oh my God. Derek Williams is only 28. That's wild. Especially for a guy who played, I believe multiple years in college. 
I don't quite yeah. remember. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they they need someone. You know, I mean, I like Seth Curry, but he's a specialist. He's not a third guy. Dorian Finney-Smith takes the fifth most shots on the team. Not good. Come on. He should be taking zero shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see with them. I mean, like I said, I, they're they're in such a good spot because every team in the league who's not like the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Warriors is basically trying to find their own Luka Doncic, and they already have that guy, and he's going to be locked up for a long time, and he's young. Like they're having that guy in place raises your floor so much for the next decade that obviously you want to compete as soon as you can, but at least like most teams in the league are still trying to find that guy and they have him. So you, I think you'd rather have, have issues with your role players than not have the star in place. Right. And he even has some room to get better. I mean, he only shot 32% on threes on nine attempts. If he can clean that up a little bit, I mean, he shot some wild attempts. I mean, if you watch a full Mavericks game, he's out there doing, you know, he's, he's kind of a, he has a lot of heat checks. Oh but, yeah, I think I think like just just watching him and you know following him like I I think you would he has a look of like a guy who shoots forty percent from three like his three point numbers are like shockingly bad when you actually check the data. Yeah, I think I think it does get dragged down by the crazy attempts. I think if oh, he course, was but still yeah. No, I know, but yeah, I mean the the nine free throw attempts is for a guy who's twenty. That's kind of yeah. that's pretty unheard of. Um, okay, I want to talk about the Heat, and then we can head out. Okay. They're another team like Toronto that I, I think based on how well they played, especially over the first three or so months of this season, on paper, I felt like they should be higher. But when we went through and actually did the rankings, you know, it was it was really tough to justify squeezing them into Tier 2, which we ultimately didn't end up doing. And then you start comparing them to Dallas and Toronto, and you know, we settled with, with 13 for Miami, and... As much as I love Jimmy Butler and as much as I love Bam Adebayo, I, I think this is right because if we're talking, just trying to go back and answer that question, like, can they win the title? As much as I like this team, it, it still feels like they're another pretty significant piece away. They, you know, they're kind of in some ways the opposite of Dallas where, you know, they have, they have a couple really good players in Butler and Adebayo. Neither of them are on Doncic's level. And then they have a, a really, really strong cast of, of supporting players like Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Derek Jones, Tyler Hero, you know, a lot of these guys are homegrown, but it, it still feels like they need another guy kind of between those two tiers. You know, like I, I don't know if right now Jimmy Butler can be the best player on a team that's a true title contender with this supporting cast. They they remind me a little bit of like a like a Jazz East. Yes. Like where they have they have like Butler who's Donovan Mitchell and they have Adebayo who's kind of a different Gobert. And yeah. they have solid, they have a good coach that everyone likes. They have solid role pieces. I mean, I think the Jazz have better role players, but um, they're also in the Western Conference. So I think it kind of, you know, that that balances out based on the conferences. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, uh, I, I just think they do need, they need another guy between the level of like Adebayo and, and Butler. I mean, I... I think you probably need someone better. I don't think Butler can be your number one guy. I think you need someone better than Butler. And yep. I think you need someone better than Adebayo. So that's kind of, they're kind of stuck there because you you either need to load up. You basically need to have the best bench or best supporting cast in the league. If Butler and Adebayo are your one, two, or you need to find a way to get a third. 
I'm confident that Adebayo is going to keep getting better. I, I don't know what his ultimate ceiling is. And based on the type of player that he is, I don't think he could ever really be like a number one option. I just, I just don't think he can score well enough. Um, right. But I, I think he, he could end up being like a top 15 player in the league, but he's going to have a hard time like willing you to wins just, just because of his limitations offensively. Butler, on the other hand, like another great year, 26 and six, almost two steals a game. Like he was awesome, but I, I don't know if a guy who, as a perimeter ball handler, someone who takes, you know, one three a game, basically, and shot 25% from three this year, like, it, essentially by the end of the year, he had just stopped shooting threes. Like, that's a pretty massive red flag if that guy's going to be your number one option. Yes. <laughs> and I don't, I don't really think any of the other guys that they, I mean, I like, you know, Tyler Hero had good flashes. Duncan Robinson's obviously going to be a great role player. Kendrick Nunn is good. But none of those guys, and they picked up like a dollar in Crowder and free agency, but like none of their, all their young players are nice role pieces, but none of them to me really project as a guy who can take that leap. Like I don't, people like Tyler Hero and I've heard people compare him to Devin Booker, but I don't envision that happening for Hero within the next three years. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think it's important to be measured with expectations with guys like, like that, you know. Like Robinson, Nunn, and Hero got a lot of praise this year, <clears throat> excuse me, and rightfully so. But it, while they had kind of breakout seasons, none of those guys are probably ever going to make multiple all-star games, right? You know, you, it's, it's all well and good. Like if you have these breakout role players, but you have to put the stars around them or ultimately it's not going to matter. Right. I mean, Robinson's 25 already. Nunn's 24 already. Wasn't particularly efficient. Hero's 20, but you know, got hurt a big portion of the year, wasn't super efficient anyway. So, I mean, I don't think the star, I don't think the third guy is going to be like homegrown, you know, and they got rid of Winslow, who mm-hmm. I probably had the highest potential of any of those guys. But I, I mean, yeah. I, I think getting rid of him was fine. I don't really, I'm not I think at, that. at the time that they did it. Yeah. I mean, they saw it through. He had you know multiple injuries, basically wasn't able to play almost at all last year. And I think he came back and played what, like five games and immediately hurt his back again. Yeah. I, I think, I think ideally he was going to be that guy who maybe fits between the stars and the role players and is just kind of this, you know, you mentioned Sean Marion, kind of the, the Sean Marion for them. Um, but it, and I think he could still be that, like the type of player that he is if he stays healthy. But I think it, be, it became, you know, they, they saw it through enough that if he, if he goes and does that with another franchise, you know, it sucks if you're the Heat, but I, I don't think you'd feel like you gave up on him too early necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Grizzlies did, I mean, kind of stole him uh, oh, yeah. uh, in some way. So that's exciting. But yeah, I mean, the the clock is kind of ticking for Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's going to turn 31, which isn't right. old, but he also has Tom, a bunch of Tom Thibodeau practices on his yes. knees. So that could fall off very quickly. Right. And this team is built for this year and next year. I think the Andre Vidala addition hammered that home more than anything. And they're probably one of the teams that, you know, I don't think we really saw them as a title contender, but I, I think internally they probably felt like they could have made a run this year. And with all the stuff happening, I, I think they're on the short list of teams that are probably hurt most by it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cause those trades, those win now trades, any team that w- made a trade like that gets hurt by this. Like didn't the Clippers give up like two first for Mar- or Marcus Morris? Like they gave up at least one first. Yeah. If the season doesn't resume, like that's, that's insane then uh my last memory of him was like that terrible game against the lakers 
<laughs> yeah, it was bad. Um, so bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, Miami, you, you can understand why they thought they might be able to sneak into the, the conference finals. You know, if you right. put them against Toronto or Boston, you would assume that series would go at least five games. Like, they're not going to get swept by either of those teams. Right. And they were the one team that played Milwaukee better than anyone all season. Yep. I think I think they had that in their as a cap in their in, or a feather in their cap. You know, where like even even though they kind of went on a skid that last month, like I don't think I think again internally they probably believe that they had a better chance to beat Milwaukee than anyone on the outside would actually think. I mean, that's that's understandable as Bucks fans. I mean, you know, out of bio guards Giannis incredibly well. Right. Giannis has trouble with that kind of a defender, and Jim, then you have just Jimmy Butler hound either Bledsoe, though you may not need anybody to hound Bledsoe at this point in the playoffs, or Chris Middleton, and you know the Bucks have some issues there. Yeah, you have Iguodala defensively, and I, I think they felt good about you know Milwaukee had reached the point that they're one of those teams that you almost need like a fluky series to beat them, and I think Miami, you know Adebayo and Butler ironically being their two best players don't shoot threes, but everyone else does. And I think they're one of those teams that felt like they could probably get hot for a couple games if they had to, um, and maybe make that an upset, but we'll see if we even get that now. Um, I think we could talk about the rest of the teams in our next pod. We'll, we'll kind of cut it in half year and, and focus on the bottom of the league as we see it for next season. What do you have on tap this weekend? Uh, pretty much nothing. Uh, oh, my parents say, or for the, for the weekend. So I'm going to be driving back on Sunday and uh, maybe I'll just do some sleeping. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just sleep a lot. While driving, sleep whole, I hope not. Yeah, yeah no, while driving, exactly. How yeah, about you? It's, I'm going home to see my mom for Mother's Day, back to the Green okay. Bay area on Sunday. But other than that, absolutely nothing. So hoping to sneak in some golf tomorrow, but... Right back home, there's currently a freeze warning, and there's supposed to be 25 mile per hour winds. So things are not coming up, Nick, this weekend. <laughs> it was snowing when I woke up this morning here. So. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.